I believe that uh, God connects people that are like-minded. And I love your heart for kingdom. I love uh, your desire to see God's kingdom expanded in our communities. And so I look forward to also receiving what God has for us through you. Uh, pastor Yvette Valdez has served as an executive pastor at the church where she grew up at. And um, it's called Centro de Adoración, or Worship Center, in Poplar. Um, she uh, serves alongside of her parents there, who have been there for approximately 31 years as the lead pastors at uh, Centro de Adoración in Poplar. And uh, she also began in 2018 uh, creating and establishing Equip, which is a school of ministry designed to help raise up leaders, kingdom-minded leaders that will impact their communities. And so I'm excited to uh, invite her at this time to come as well as to receive what God has for us through her. So if you would welcome with me Pastor Yvette Valdez as she delivers... God bless you this morning. You guys can talk to me. It's okay. Um, I was just on the way here from Cutler. Um, I told my cousin, um, I just realized this is my first time ever speaking back to back. I've never done that. So, Jesus. Um, but I'm really, really excited, really honored um, to be with you guys. I do not take it lightly. And um, my dad um, and our whole church just send their love um, I've known Pastor Menchaca for a long time. In 2012, I was in a school of ministry master's commission in Elk Grove in Sacramento area. And we did an event in Fresno, and he was speaking there. And I just remember how much his message impacted my life. Um, so much so that my brother was with me. He was in the same school of ministry. And we left, and he said, he's very reserved, very observant. He's just, you know... And he looks at me, he says, wow, that was one of the best messages I've ever heard. And that's saying a lot because we're pastor's kids. So we have heard a lot of messages. And it just goes to show just um, how much your word, your life um, have impacted us. And now God is just, like pastor said, a God of connections. And not just with himself, he wants us connected to him, but also to his people. And there are key people that God will place in your life, place in your path that are meant to help you go forward in what God has called you and you both push each other. And I believe God, I just thank God that um, now we're connected a little closer. Uh, we had him at our church a few months ago and was such a blessing to, to our leadership and our team. So thank you. Um, my first time in Cutler and also I think it's my first time in Dinuba. I can't. I grew up in the valley um, in Porterville, and our church is in Poplar. Poplar is a very small town, about 2,000 people. So the back roads to here feel very, very familiar. It's exactly like I could mix it for home. Um, so it, it feels like home. And I really, really believe um, in this place. I believe in in this area, in the valley, you know, we think about the flyover states. A lot of people think about the East Coast and the West Coast. That's where everything happens. And then we call the middle those flyover states, kind of forgotten. Um, but I also think in California, we can have the forgotten towns and cities because everyone thinks of the Bay Area, San Francisco, and then everyone thinks of L.A. on the other side of us. And there is us in the middle. And to the world, we may be a forgotten area, rural and unlikely place, but God loves to hide treasures in unlikely places. 
God loves to do the impossible. It's God is, is I, I think, my God is really uh, excited. Um, he's not a boring God. And I really believe that when God begins to see, when God puts his eyes on an unlikely place, something good is about to happen. And we see that all throughout the Bible, and we can see it in our lives. He's doing it, and I really believe um, in this house, in this area, I, I have a huge heart for the Central Valley. It's home to me. Uh, my parents uh, worked in the in the fields growing up, and so to me, when I see that, I know God is doing un imaginable things with unlikely places and hidden people that are saying yes to God every day. And if you're here today, God is saying, if you give me your yes, I'll do what you can't even imagine. And not for your namesake, not for your, uh, for people to know who you are, but so that his glory could be magnified through somebody. When somebody says, if God could do it through you, why not? Why can't he do it through me? So I really, really believe that this morning. And that's what I want to talk about today is hidden treasures. And it's no coincidence God has us. Of all time, he has chosen us to be here in such an unlikely area, an unlikely place. Um, A few years ago, I was in Africa, and we were there for two months. And there are more than 200 people from all over the world at this school of missions. And people would be like, where are you from? And they're like, Australia and like all over the world. And they'd ask me, like, where are you from? California. Wow, you're from California. And, like, it was like you were just, like, this creature. And I always knew by week two, I knew what was going to happen. They were, what part of California? And I'm like, I'm from Porterville. Well, what is that near? Is it near Disneyland? No, it's not near Disneyland. Uh, Is it near the, no, it's not near San Francisco. So I would see their faces kind of like, that's not California. Like, wait, what? There's cows there and there's, which is the majority of California. But I really believe that that's how God works. Because what kind of God would set his eyes on a place, an unlikely place, an unlikely people to do something that transcends this area? And I believe that over this house, uh, we were in Cutler earlier, and I just really believe God is doing something beautiful, and God is doing something deep. And when we give him our yes, he says, let me just show you. And not because you're strong and not because you're able, but because I am more than able to do it through you. Uh, This week, I heard this story. um, I work at the church with my dad. And it's fun because he's my dad, and he's my pastor, and he's my boss. So it's really fun. Uh, we have a really good relationship, but that also means that work never stops. So we are in the car together, and everything becomes a message. And we're, like, eating, and it's like, oh, my gosh, did you catch that? Like, did you catch that? And so anytime that he sees something interesting, he'll call me, and like, you need to see this. So he calls me out, and he's like, just watch this, um, something that had come on the news. And he goes back, he's like, I want you to watch this. And he's in tears. And it's this, you might have seen it online this week, it's this 96-year-old man in front of a judge. And the judge brings him forward and says, do you know why you're here, sir? And he says, he couldn't really hear, he's a 96-year-old man. And he says, well, you're here because you were going too fast in a school zone. And, and you, you violated this, this law, and so that's why you're here. And the man says, sir, and his voice is breaking. And he says, sir, your honor, I never drive that fast. 
And he says, I actually don't even drive unless I have to. And that's only when I have to take my boy into the doctor for blood work. And that's what I was doing. And you see the, the judge just kind of look back and say, wait, did you say your boy? You were taking your son to the doctor? And he says, yes, my son, he has cancer and he's disabled. And so I have to take him in for blood work every two weeks. And I was late. And the judge looks over and he says, do you see that boy over there? And there's a young man sitting on a bench on the side. And he says, that's my son. And what you're telling him is that with your example and how you love your son, that I, when I'm 96 years old, will take care of him. And he even jokes and says, you're, you're setting a bad standard here because now I'm going to have to do that. He says, how old is your son? He's 65 years old. And the judge just says, you are a good man. And you are what this country, what America is all about, taking care of your family. And he says, no, I'm just doing what I know I have to do. As I'm sitting there watching that, I'm reminded of what the design of the father's heart is. The design of a father's heart in the beginning, and the world has changed it. And because of pain and disappointment, sometimes fathers are experienced in a different way. But the original design of the father's heart is to take care of his children. The original design of the father's heart is to never stop caring for his children. And as I see that and I think back and I'm like, God, that's who you are. If that's a, a man's interpretation of a design of a father's heart, I can't imagine what kind of father you are. I'm just beginning to understand what kind of father you are. That you just never quit. You never stop. And just like his heart is designed to never stop, his heart cannot stop for us. Sons and daughters were designed to be under the covering of the father. It's who we were made to be. As a son and a daughter of God, you were created to be under the covering of a good, good father. Of a heavenly father. But because of life, because of all of the things that, that happen and disappointments, we can say all of the, our sin, all of these things take us to a lot of times hide from the father. Every single person in the world, we are taking one of two positions. We are either hiding from the Father or we are hidden in Him. It's the only place to be. It's the only two choices we have. And the world will tell you there's gray areas. You know, you can, it's okay. Like, no, we're either hiding from Him with our actions because of our fears, because of our disappointments, or we're hidden in Him. And we get to choose that. Hidden treasures, we need to embrace the processes of God in our lives. His timing and the way, and his ways produce the purest gold that the world is so desperately seeking. There's no shortcuts and there are no counterfeits. We were singing this song, Defender, and such a beautiful, powerful song, and God is funny, because yesterday when I was just preparing and praying last night, the only song that just kept, that I just kept repeating was this song. And I knew when I said, God, like, what does your house need to hear? What do your kids need to hear this morning? And all I just kept hearing was, I'm their defender. I'm their defender. I'm with them. And his ways, a lot of times, because the enemy likes to distort things, and he likes to give us a half-truth and say, well, if God is not doing what he said he was going to do, maybe he forgot about you. And what God wants to remind you this morning is he defends you. He is with you. And even when his ways... Even when his ways don't make sense, even when his ways seem, why this way? Couldn't we do it this other way? And I know that if we began to just share this morning, we all have 
those areas, those disappointments where we're like, God, but why didn't you do it this way? I was praying for this and it didn't happen. And why didn't that happen? And I believed for this and it didn't happen. And I, I hold the why in my heart. And I hold this, this regret in my heart and saying, well, maybe I really can't trust God. But isn't that same lie the one from the very beginning? Where the serpent comes and asks, and asks Eve, did God really say? He never came to even say, maybe God doesn't exist. He didn't say that. And it's not what he tempts us with. We know he exists. If you're in this place, you have a realization in your heart, whether you've committed yourself to it or not, that there is a God. But the greatest lie is not that there isn't a God. The greatest lie that the enemy comes against is what did he really say? What is he really like? What is, is he really good? And then we begin to hold that doubt in our heart. And we begin to hide from God because what did Adam and Eve do? They hide. Not because they didn't think he exists, but because there was a doubt in their heart that came because a lie was believed. And this morning, God is saying, come out of hiding from me and come hide in me. And the things that have been happening the last couple of weeks, I like to, I'm always listening to the news. I'm always reading. And it's how our house is like that. I have two brothers who are both political science majors. So, and my dad loves history. And so our house is constantly like having all the debates. And I I love to always listen, but... And I like to be informed. What's going on? What's going on? I don't want to hide and I don't want to live in a bubble of God's got it all and it's all going to be fine. Like I want to know what's happening. But I think there is that balance as children of God. There is that, that a firm place that we need to be in that, yes, I'm going to look. I'm not going to look away from what's happening in the world. The church is not going to deny that there are real things happening, that there's real pain in the world. It would be a disservice for us to do church as usual when the world is crying out. It would be a disservice to say, well, everything's fine in here, and people out there are crying out for an answer, are afraid to do simple things like go to a Walmart. That shouldn't be something that we think about. But the reality is that that's what we're living in. But what God is inviting us into is saying, okay, I want you to look at what's happening. But then I want you to look to me and ask me what I think about it. Ask me, where am I at in this story? What is my answer? What is my response? And even more say, God, I look to you and I ask you, what do you see and what do you want me to do? God, what do you see? Give me your eyes to see this because we can go into a dark place real fast. We can either deny the reality or we can get lost in the reality. And we, but we don't look to the reality for our affirmation. We say, I know what's happening, but I have a truth that's greater than the reality. I have the truth of God. I have the truth of his promises and I have the truth of his word. There are no counterfeits and no shortcuts to the process of God in our lives. If you're here today, I want to tell you that God has a work that he has started and he's not finished. The fact that he finished it on the cross gives me hope that he's going to finish it in my life. It is finished on the cross, but in my life, that work is being moved and molded every single day. And because I know he finished it on the cross, I know he'll finish it in me. I know he'll do it in me. But there are no shortcuts. There are no counterfeits. 
And today you may feel like you're hidden. It may feel like, God, I, I don't see the light. I don't know what's happening. I feel hidden. But I want to tell you this morning that if you are hidden in the promises of God, not hiding from him, but if you are hidden in him, hidden in his process, you are not forgotten. You could be hidden in him, but not forgotten. I want to read Matthew 13, 44 this morning. And this is a very, two very short parables that Jesus is speaking. And they are very similar. And when I would read them, I'm like, God, you, Jesus, you just told the same story twice. Uh, I worked in the, in schools for a long time. I was a librarian, not a long time, but I was a librarian and, um, I love stories. They're my favorite. I love learning through stories, teaching through stories. But also I'd read this and I'm like, Jesus, you just told the same story twice. Like, why would you do that? But every time you have a question when you're reading the word, that's probably because there's something beautiful and powerful hidden in there. So I'm like, okay, God, why would you do this? I need to know why you're doing this. And we're going to read this first one. It's verse 44, and it speaks of the parable of the treasure. And it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys it. I want to quickly read it in the Passion Translation. It says, a person discovered that there was a hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such a treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he had to buy it. Just so he could have the treasure. There are three things here that we can see a, a connection to our life. That hidden treasure is you and me. You are the hidden treasure. And the one that finds that treasure, the man that finds this treasure, that discovers this treasure is Jesus. He is the one that left everything he had. He bankrupt heaven so he could have a chance at having you. And it's not even an assurance. It wasn't even like if I give everything, every single one will say yes. Because that wouldn't be risk. And love requires risk. But Jesus said, I love them so much that I will bankrupt heaven for the chance that you might say yes. To give you the choice to say yes to me. Finding that treasure appears to be by chance. But in a land that Jesus is speaking to, the context of this story is a land of Palestine where people were being moved and land was being taken all of the time. So it's very rare that somebody would hide a treasure in a land that they know they could lose at any moment. So really finding a treasure was like a one in a thousand chance in a lifetime. And he found that treasure. So there are four things that happen to the treasure in this passage. If we could put it back up real quickly, it just says four things that happen to this, to the treasure. It says, here's... Heaven, the uh, heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was a hidden treasure. So the treasure is hidden. That's the first thing that the treasure experiences. The treasure is hidden. The second thing, upon finding it, he hid it again. So the treasure was hidden. It was found. And then it was hidden again. And then lastly, because of uncovering this treasure, He was overjoyed and sold all that he had to buy the treasure. The treasure was bought. So the treasure was hidden, it was found, it was covered up, and it was bought. If you're here today, Jesus has found you. And if he hasn't, he's about to. Newsflash, plot twist, he's going to find you. And his finding isn't because, well, why did he find? No, his finding is when we say yes to him. 
But a lot of us, when we have that encounter with God, when God comes and finds our life and we have this encounter with God, we are ready to set the world on fire. Who can I tell? Where can I go? Where can I start? Where do I sign up? I'm ready. He encountered me. Now I want to go. But the processes of God are different. And a lot of times he uncovers our life. He finds our life and then he says, okay, now I'm going to hide it again. I'm going to cover you up. I'm going to put you in a process. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. And a lot of times I say, God, why did you do all this in my life? And now I'm just, I'm hidden. I'm stuck. And a lot of times the enemy comes and says, well, if you're hidden, then you must be forgotten. If God gave you this promise and it hasn't happened, he must have forgotten it. If God put this desire in your heart and you haven't seen it come to fulfillment, then it must not be God. And he must have forgotten. But I want to tell you this morning that just because you have been hidden in the processes of God, that is the best and safest place to be hidden. It's where he molds you. It's where he shapes you. It's where he allows your character to be rooted in him. It's where he allows you to become in the image of his son. It's where he allows that what's inside of you will be deep enough and strong enough to sustain you for the day that is to come. Because it's coming. The promises of God are coming. But the enemy will try to, remind, try to lie to us and say that we are hidden, when in, that we are forgotten when in reality we're just hidden. And his timings are perfect. His timings are good. The next parable right after that is verse 46 and 47, Matthew 13, 46 and 47. And it says, when he discovered one very precious and ex- exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. Also, a little bit before that. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. In the Passion Translation, it says heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel of merchants in search of fine pearls, who on finding a pearl of great value went and sold all that he had. And this might sound really similar. It might sound the same, but it's not. And it's reminding us Before it was just a treasure. Now it gave the treasure a name. Now it's a pearl. And now it's not just a pearl, but it's a pearl of great value. It's a precious and exquisite pearl. So now it goes from just being a treasure to now that treasure is a pearl of great value. And it goes from being just a man who found this treasure. We don't know who this man was. And now this next parable says it wasn't just a pearl, but it's a pearl that was found by a merchant who was in search of a pearl. He was looking for the pearl. God is an intentional God. And when God went looking for you, he went looking for you by name. When God went looking for you, he didn't say, well, I hope I find. No, he said, I'm going to go after her. I'm going to go after your name. He went after you by name. He went and searched for you. And God is always searching for sons and daughters. It's why he desires his house to be filled. It's not for ego. It's not for numbers. It's because the father is in search of his children. It's why he doesn't say, well, uh, I have this many children that have said yes and come home. So let's just stop now. Let's just be comfortable and wait for Jesus to come back in our little club and be real comfortable while he came, while he comes. 
But he says, no, we are on a mission because if there's one child not home, I'm going to go look for him. If one hasn't come home, I'm going after him. And I want to tell you this morning that as a church of God, as a children of God, you get to join a search team. You become a part of a search team now. Yes, he saved me. Yes, he found me. I'm the pearl and the jeweler came and he found me. But now there's a fire in me to go help in the search team to find more. There's always more that he's looking for. But why does he hide us? Why does God hide us in his processes? Why the hiding and why the moment of waiting? And God, I've been waiting. I've been praying. I have this passion. I have this dream. I have this desire. I have this request of you. And if we went around, we could all say we have something that we're waiting for God to do. We have something that we're, we are anticipating for God to do. But the processes of God make it so that when we get there, that gift, that thing that we're waiting for, that promise, isn't what the miracle is. But the miracle is that now I look more like Jesus than when I started. I want to tell you that the goal of our, our life as Christians is not to acquire and check off all the boxes of all the dreams and all the desires and all the things that we're praying for. But the, at the end of this life, if we can end this life and say, I look more like Jesus than when I started, then you hear the words, good and faithful servant, enter into the glory of your, of your father, of your Lord. That's the point. And that's why a lot of times I'll talk to people and, and, they, and they love God. They come to church. Sometimes they serve. And I'll talk to them and they have this disappointment. And they say, but, but God didn't do what he said he was going to do. And I've been waiting for a long time. Or I'll see people that I love and I've grown up with. And, and all of a sudden, after 10 years, after 20 years, it's like they never knew him. It's like they're done. And I, I really believe, I truly believe it's not because there wasn't a true encounter. But it's because we make the gift. We made the thing that we were praying for our reward instead of Jesus being our reward. Jesus is our reward. If at the end of all of it. If at the end of all of this, what we have is Jesus, then we won. If at the end of all of this, we look more like Jesus than when we started then we fulfilled our destiny. That's your purpose, to look like him. And what he's going to use and what he's going to do in order to make that image and form that image, we don't know. That's the process of God. That's the process of God. The town that our church is in is called Poplar. And um, like Pastor said, my parents have been there for 30 years. And somebody recently told me a few years ago, like, did you know that Poplar is actually the name of a tree? I did not. Sadly, I should know that. I did not know that. So I was like, well, maybe I should look up this tree. Maybe it means something. And the poplar tree is not only known for, it's known for its roots, but not just the depth of its roots, but it's also known for the width of its roots. It's far reaching roots. And I really believe that is a picture of what God is doing in the church. That is a picture of what God wants to do in your life. That he says, I don't want you to just have roots that are just between you and me. Because we can make it just about me and God and I'll just, me and God. But he says, no, I want you to have deep roots 
that because we go deep, because you have communion with me, then you also are far reaching and you touch people and you influence people and you impact lives, not because you're strong, because you're smart, because you're able, but because you have submitted yourself to the hidden place of God. What's your hidden place? What's that area where you're like, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. And it's such a hope to know God is not finished. For those of us who are praying for people, for loved ones to come home to the Father, I want to remind you today, God is not finished. And I want to remind you today that God wants them home even more than you do. I have family, I have people in my life that I am contending for, and I want them home. But I remind myself, God wants them home even more than I do. So I don't strive. So I don't get disappointed. I don't get why is it happened yet? And what can I do? And how can I No, he will do it. He will do it. The Holy Spirit has a loud voice. He has so many voices and the Holy Spirit is loud and he is bold and he is like shaking thunder, but he's also as swift as the wind. And a lot of times we think I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to find a way for God's purposes to come to pass. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a list and I'm going to check everything off. And by the end of this, it will be done. But I want to tell you this morning that what God is doing is a deep work. It's not a quick work. It's not something that's going to come. It's going to go. It's a deep work. And even over this house, even over what God is doing in Dinuba and Cutler, what God is doing is a deep work. And a lot of times it's like, God, why aren't we seeing it? I I, want to see more. And we get frustrated in the process when God is saying, I'm doing something deep so that when it comes out, it's not just something that can be seen by you, but it's going to be seen by many. It's going to be far reaching. It's going to impact many. We live our life either out of hiding from the father or hidden in him. We get to choose. And that's what this morning the the father is reminding us. Hey, are you hiding or are you hidden in me? Because at the end of this life, if you can be found hidden in him and he's hidden in you, you've won. And all of us, for every person in the world, whether they love God or they don't, whether they've chosen to follow God or not, life will cut you. And I I know some of you are thinking something right now because that's a joke. Um, But life will cut you. And if we went around and told our stories, we can all show scars and say, life did it to me. I lost somebody I loved. I I, I went through this disappointment, this heartbreak. I went through this deep loss. Life will cut you. But can I tell you that as a child of God, the difference is that when life cuts us, it finds him hidden inside of us. That when life cuts us open, it's like, ha, there's Jesus hidden inside of you. Because in the waiting, in the process, you did not give up. Because in the time of being hidden, you let your roots go deep when nobody was watching. You let your roots go deep when nobody was calling. You let your roots go deep when everyone expected you to quit. You stayed still. Like the song said, I'm going to sit still. It's going to happen. He's a defender and he's a good father. And we're invited, we're invited to be hidden in him. We're invited to stay in that place and be hidden in him. It's the invitation of the father this morning. And he's saying, will you stay? Will you stay? 
I don't know how many destinies and promises have been aborted because it was one day too short. Because for the, because we decided the wait is one day too long and I can't wait. And the breakthrough is coming tomorrow. What God does inside of us, the process of God being hidden in him is not because he's forgotten. It's because he's saying, I want what I do in you to be true, not counterfeit and not a shortcut. Because the world will know. The world knows when it's a counterfeit. The world knows when you're giving them religion. The world knows when you're giving them just an inspirational uh, speech. The world knows. They know because they can recognize the word of God that was in them even before the foundations of the world. Even if they don't know it. They don't know that they're looking for a word that they already heard. And so what God is doing in you, what God is doing in me is not about us. Newsflash. Because the world would say, make it about you. Self-promote. Promote yourself. Get out there. And I want to tell you that the world does not need you. They need him. But how are they going to see him? They see him through you. They see him through you. The world will see him through you. I want to go to Ephesians 1.4. And it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. In the Passion Translation, it says, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to him, hidden in him, even before he laid the foundations of the universe. He hides us in him. From the beginning, it's where we started. That's why we say we're coming home, because you're coming back to the place where you started. Being hidden and joined with him. All of this is us getting back to the place where we started. In the Aramaic, that's the translation. But in the Greek, this very same passage is translated as, He chose us to be a word before the fall of the world. You have a name that you've never heard. Your parents gave you a name, some good names, some questionable. But even before that name, there was a word spoken over you by God. That's your true name. That's who you truly are. And even before the foundations of the world, God gave a word over you. He set you as a word in motion. Even before you made a mistake, even before the first sin of the world entered the world, you had a word, a name spoken over you. Even even more than your testimony, a lot of times, and if we were to go around, there are powerful testimonies in this place. But I want to tell you, you are more than your testimony. You are the word that God spoke over you. You are the identity that God has given you. Sometimes we let our story be our identity. And your story can be powerful. Your story can impact lives, but even more than your story is the identity that God gave you before the foundations of the world. It's the word that God spoke over you. We are a product and a fruit of the power of his creative word. And if we believed that about ourselves, we would live a very different life. If God with his word created me and he created me in his image, what can I do with the power of my words? We do it every day. We build up, we edify, or we tear down with our words. Every day. 
And God is saying this morning, if I spoke that word over you before the foundations of the world, how could I forget it? He doesn't forget a word that he speaks. He doesn't speak carelessly. He doesn't just like, well, I'm just going to speak all these words and hopefully they're okay. But he says every word that he speaks, it never comes back void. It never comes back empty. It never comes back unfulfilled. That word that God speaks about us, that name that God gave us, we only discover that through communion. You know, Christians, we really love a good cliche, a good bumper sticker. You know, we have our really cute bumper stickers and it will say things like, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And it is, it's true. But I think it goes even deeper than that. Because what God is inviting us into when we are hidden in him is not just a relationship. It's a communion. And the difference between a relationship and a communion is that relationship is on the basis of something we have in common. We have a last name in common. We have a workplace in common. We have a team that we like in common. That's a relationship. But communion is we are in common. We are one. Like a man and a woman are one in their communion. We are one with the Father because he is in us and we are in him. And if you're asking, God, what is my word? What is it that you're saying over me? What is my identity? Not what's my story. Not what's my calling. Because we can run after that and not be running after him. But what is my identity in you? That is found in communion. That is found when you go and hide yourself in God. Instead of saying, this happened, I got the call. We've all had that call that makes our heart drop into our stomach. We've all had that moment where you're faced with this reality, where you get news after news after news, and you have this choice to make. Do I drown in this pain? Do I run away from this pain? Or do I face it with God? We either numb ourselves out and we just can't feel anymore. It's one call too many. It's one disappointment too many. And I can't respond anymore. And we close off our heart. Or we get lost in the pain. And we identify ourselves with our emotions. It's like, you see it in the world. Anxiety, depression, all of these things where we are lost in the pain. Or we say, God, I know what I feel. I know what's happening. I know and I feel the pain, but I'm going to go hide in you until I see the answer come. Until I see the light of day, I'm going to be hidden in you. I'm going to hide myself in you. That's communion. That's the place where he reminds you who you are. That's the place where your roots grow deep. That's the place where your roots begin to take form, where God begins to shape you. Where you begin to be in the likeness of his son. Knowing him happens when you're joined to him. Hearing God happens in the hidden place. It's not going to happen on the stage. That's like way after you've already hidden, heard him in the hidden place. You're not going to hear God when you are ready to prophesy over somebody. That happens in the hidden place. What happens in that place with God gives you the influence. It gives you the the power to be able to say, I know him. And when you begin to speak, people are going to say, what is that? And that's when you can say, that's Jesus. 
that's when you can begin to speak of who he is. A lot of times we see people with a good intention in their heart. On the corner of a street with a really loud microphone and these really bold signs. And they just, they have this fervor. I want people to know the truth. But can I tell you that it's going to happen through relationship? It's going to happen when you allow the hidden place of God to impact your relationships. And people are going to say, why are you different? What is that on you? And then the door opens and you begin to proclaim who Jesus is. You begin to allow that form, that that process of God to be worth something. Because he doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. Not a single thing that happens is wasted. And not because God, God made that happen. Well, God did this so that, I mean, we can say some really weird things. And we was, well, well, that happened because God wanted, no. That happened because we live in a, in a broken and fallen world. God only does good things. We need to be reminded of that. God only does good things. And if it's not good, it's not from God. But he can use anything. He can use anything. He can take ashes and turn them into something beautiful. He can use something that was terrorizing you, and that becomes your testimony. And that becomes what you come against the enemy with. And that only happens when we submit and say, God, whatever you can use this for, I give it to you. This pain, I know it's not from you. But whatever you can use it for to shape me, to mold me, use it. Do it in me. And that becomes that process that God says, if you stay hidden, if you stay hidden, I will do it in you. The miracle isn't the gift. The promise or the prophecy The miracle is what he does in you in the waiting. The in-between, the deep transformative work in your heart. This is the promise. The world is waiting for a revived bride of Christ. One who has stood the test of time and caught his heart to rise up. It's what the world is waiting for. It's not another religion. It's not another social club. It's the power of God in an empowered church that says... God is still doing good things today. And an empowered bride that says the kingdom of God is coming today here in an unlikely place somewhere that isn't expected. It's what God is doing. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If you're here, God has started a work in you. I met God, I grew up in church, but I had my personal encounter with God when I was 12 years old. And sometimes growing up in church makes it even harder because you have a lot of things you've seen and it's, you have to break down that religion. And when I encountered God, I remember just saying, God, if you want to use me, you can use me. But what has happened, I'm 28, and what's happened since that time, I can say I would have never thought it's going to go this way. In my 12-year-old heart, I said, God, I love you, and I want to do big things for you, and I want to love you forever, and I meant it. But when you tell him, do what you want in me, they know. They know. <laughs> when you... 
yield your, your yes to him and you say, do what you want, it's really cool in an altar. It's really cool when you are 16, 17 and everyone in your youth group is doing it too. It's really cool when you're in Bible school and everybody is on fire for God. But there comes a time where you're faced with real, dark, deep disappointment and pain. And then God comes again and he says, do I still have your yes? Because he's a gentleman. And he doesn't take your yes and run. He comes every day and says, do I still have it? Will you still give me your yes? And disappointment will make us hold our yes from God. Disillusionment will make us hold our yes against God and say, I don't know if I can do that again. But when you realize that he is the reward, that he has given himself to me. And I want to tell you that God treasures you. He treasures you more than anyone could treasure someone. He has bankrupt heaven for you. But the real communion is going to happen when you treasure him in return. The real communion is going to happen when you begin to treasure and say, God, I know what you've given for me, but now I want to be a response to that. Because we're, because our worship is a response to what he's already given. He can't, he's given it all. He's finished it. It's done. But we become a response. When I treasure him as much as he treasures me. When I ask Jesus, teach me how to treasure you. Because I don't know. In my humanity, I don't know. But when he becomes the treasure, and he treasures you, and you treasure him, that's communion. That's being hidden in him, and he in you. Again, we will live our life either hiding from the Father or hidden in him. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you? Are you hiding in him? Are you... When faced with pain, when faced with difficulty, when faced with life, what is the response in the posture of your heart? Where do you go? Because wherever you set your eyes, that's where you're going to go. Wherever you set your eyes, that's the direction you're going in. That's why we look to him. Because I need to go to you. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is asking, where are you? Are you hidden in him? Are you running to him when you're faced with life and going to him for the answers and the comfort like nobody else can give you? Or are you running and hiding from him in disappointment and anger or in fear? We will do it out of love and run to him or we will do it out of fear and run away from him. There's only two options. I want you to just close your eyes where you are this morning. And maybe you say, well, I'm I'm here this morning. I'm, I'm at church. Doesn't that mean that I'm hidden in him? But sometimes we can do all the right things and say all the right things. But in our hearts, we are far. And we still love God and we're still going to heaven. But... Our hope is no longer anchored. And sometimes it's easy to give some areas of our life and hide in him for certain areas. But we hide others. Oh, I can trust God with my finances, but I don't know if I can trust him with my kids. I can trust God with my health, but I don't know if I can trust God 
for my marriage. I can trust God for the people around me, but I don't even know if I can trust God for my own heart and for my own life. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is sending you a reminder because we're forgetful. And we can know God and still forget. And this morning, he's saying, will you remember him again? Remember what he's done. Remember how far he's brought you. Remember what he took you out of. Remember God. And distractions of life, disappointments, carelessness can make us forget who our God is. But today he's saying, remember and go hide in the one who is constant. Go hide in the one who is sure and who is faithful and who is true. Go hide in the one who spoke a word over your life from the foundation of the world. We know what hiding from him leads to. Nothing good comes from isolation, especially when we isolate ourselves from the Father. But he's saying, come hide in me. And I'm not promising it's going to be easy. In fact, I'm warning you, it will be hard. But like Pastor said earlier, she said, our greatest promise is that he said, I have overcome the world. He already overcame it. So what you're facing has been overcome. What you're facing has a name, but there is a name that's higher than that name. And the name of Jesus is not only for you, but it is speaking on your behalf this morning. You know, I have uh, one nephew. He's the only baby in our family. He's two years old, and the other day, I heard this exchange between him and my sister. I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he's two years old, just learning what happy means, and mad, and sad, and scared, and giving words to what he's feeling. And he looked to my sister, and he says, Mama, I'm scared. And then my sister did something. She looked at him and she said, I know you're scared, but I want you to say, I am strong. And as I watched that, I I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, when you're scared, when you're feeling what you're feeling, the real pain, the reality of life, I do not condemn you. I don't condemn you. I don't shame you because you feel what you feel. The father is a good father and he's not asking you to deny your pain, but he is asking you this morning to remember who you are. Remember your identity. Remember where your strength comes from. Remember where your identity comes from. Remember the word that was spoken over you before the foundations of the world. It's what the father does. He reminds you in the place that is hidden of who you've always been, of who he created you to be. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are.
the Spirit of God is in this place. And there's a clear invitation this morning. He could not be clearer. And saying, will you, will you come hide in me? Will you stay hidden? Will you trust my process? Will you trust my way? Will you trust that before you can see it, I've already done it? Will you come out of hiding? And will you come hide in me? Come out of the cave. Come out of the place where shame and fear and intimidation took you. And will you give me your yes again? So Holy Spirit, this morning I pray over your house, over your people. And I ask that you would just begin to remind us this morning who you are, God, who you are. Remind us this morning that what distraction, that what fear, that what disappointment try to make us forget, Lord. We just ask that the truth of your word would be brought up back in our mind that our God is faithful and our God is true. And he's a safe hiding place. He is a safe place for us to go. That we don't have to hide from him, but that we are invited to stay hidden in him, in his ways and in his promise. He's a good father. And I just want to be obedient to the Spirit of God this morning. If this morning you say there have been areas in my life where I've been hiding from God. There have been disappointments in my life that have led me to hide in some areas. To hold back my trust. To hold back my faith. But I want to run to the arms of the Father this morning and be hidden in His arms. Be hidden in His promise. Be hidden in the process of God over my life. If that's you this morning, I want you to just take a step this morning and come up to this altar. And it's not because there's anything more than just giving your yes. It's nothing that I can give you. It's nothing that I can do. But it's just simply saying, God, I'm coming home to you. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to just come up and just say, I'm coming out of that hiding place. I'm coming out of the place that says, I'm going to figure this out without God because I don't know if God remembers. I don't know if God can handle. I don't know if God remembers anymore what he said. And this morning, God is saying, I don't only remember, but I am still moving on your behalf. I not only remember what I said, but I'm going to finish what I started in you. There are mothers in this place that God is saying, I spoke the word over your child and I have not forgotten. I have not forgotten. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. Come into those places. Come and silence every lie. Come and speak your word of truth this morning. And let us be grounded and rooted in you. Let our faith be anchored in you this morning. That we will not be shaken and we will not be moved. We will not be shaken and we will not be moved. But we are rooted in your truth this morning. 
God can handle what you're feeling this morning. Just like my nephew and where his mother didn't shame him but she just reminded him of the truth. God is willing to hear this morning where your heart is. He wants to hear what you're feeling. He wants to hear what's on your heart. And then he comes and he speaks a better word. Then he comes and he speaks and reminds you of the truth. The story is not over. And because he finished it on the cross, he is faithful to finish it in your life. And we just thank you this morning, God. I speak a word of life this morning, God, that you would just begin to awaken even dreams that had been dead, even desires, God, that had been put away, Lord, the things that we had given up, Lord. I pray that your spirit would stir it up inside of us. Remind us of your promise this morning. Remind us of what you said about us, what you said about our families, what you said over this house, over this church, God, what you said over our cities, Lord. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come stir it up inside of us. Come stir it up inside of us this morning, Lord. Come stir up your truth, God. And we just give you our yes this morning. We give you our yes. Right where you are, why don't you just lift your hands. Whether you're here in the altar or in the back, just lift your hand real quickly. As a sign of just giving your yes this morning. Just lifting up your yes. Saying, God, I give you my yes. God, I give you my yes. I give you my yes. I say yes to your promises. I say yes to the process and the way that you want to do it in me. I say yes to becoming more and more in the likeness of your son, Jesus. I say yes to you, Lord. Because I know that you can do unimaginably more than what we could ask, expect, or imagine with a person's yes, with an unlikely person's yes. That even what the world may see as small, God, in your hands you can do the unthinkable. We just thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord. We bless you this morning. Why don't you just worship there where you are? Just worship where you are. We thank you, Jesus.